When you adopt children, you promise to care for them as if they were your own. However, the Hart parents did not get that memo and instead became awful parents that are covered on true crime podcasts. So you know this story will not end well. Welcome to Cryptic Soup. I wish I could say this story is full of heart. The jurors decided that both the parents, Sarah and Jennifer Hart, died as the result of suicides. As for their six children, those jurors ruled that they died at the hands of another and that their deaths were not an accident. And before the ruling today, we got the clearest picture yet of what happened during the crash that killed all eight members of that family from Woodland. Hey guys, welcome back to Cryptic Soup. I'm Thena. And I'm Kylie. Hmm. What should we say? <laughs> I don't really like have anything today. We recorded like something. 48 hours ago, so this is very difficult. There was difficult. something that I wanted to say, and it was something that we had just talked about. Dang it, what was it? It rained today. <laughs> I wish it would like figure out if it's going to be winter or um, not. Like, what do you want? Do you want to be winter or you want to be fall? Because right now, right now it's fall. Yeah. This is not the vibe. I don't know. I, I guess I don't really have a, anything. Oh, oh, I remember. Okay. So my work mom okay. texted me mm -hmm. and she was like, is this you or is this yours? And I was like, what the hell is she talking about? Because I like saw it on my watch. Yeah. <clears throat> so I open it and it's a screenshot of one of her friends on Facebook of your comment on their Facebook talking about cryptic soup and i was like whoa <laughs> because this if you knew this person you'd be like there's no way in hell they would ever listen to our podcast and <laughs> it's showing up on her facebook news feed i like that yeah so uh i actually have we're a, out there i have a similar style thing so today <laughs> if he finally listens hello chris <laughs> uh, uh so one of my kind of like co-workers he doesn't work for my company he's a company that my company talks to does that make sense you yes know? okay yeah so uh, he's kind of like a co-worker but he doesn't work for our company kind of like a yeah. vendor yeah he, he is a vendor that's exactly <clears throat> oh, okay. what he is so he's a metal supplier vendor and uh his name's chris and today he had like another employee and he's like hey can you like give us a tour of your facility i've never like actually gotten to see it Will you just like show me around? So I was like, sure. And then I realized I've literally never given a tour of this building before. So I was pointing <laughs> out <winging> it. <laughs> I literally was like, yeah, one time I stubbed my toe over here. It hurt uh, <laughs> over there. That that used to be my locker. But now I have an office. Um, we cut metal over here. That's broken. <laughs> like, that's literally how I was doing it. And the guy's just like, right, right. Uh, OK, OK. And then at one point we pause and. Chris looks at me and he's like, so I found your podcast the other day. And I was like, oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I totally didn't listen to it. And I was like, <laughs> OK, OK, thanks. Cool. <laughs> and he's like, oh, uh, I will someday. I was like, no, it's cool. Like, <laughs> this is fine. Thanks. 
My feelings are already <laughs> making this even more awkward than it has to be. And if you knew Chris, it was like even more awkward because like we're always just kind of like weird. So it was it was really funny. And then he's just like, I mean, because like at work, I'm busy and at home, the children. So, you know, and I was like, oh, no, like now it makes sense because he would listen 10 minute intervals in the car. Right. But at first I was just like, why would you tell me you even found it if you're going to tell me specifically you're not listening? Right. I thought he was trying to be a bully. He wasn't. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So maybe he'll listen someday. Just maybe. I don't know. Uh, I'll cross my fingers. If so, he'll say, hey, you said my name one time. Yep. And this is that time. On the heart episode. You might want to tell him that. Yeah. No, <laughs> he'll find it. I'll say, hey, in somewhere in the first under the first hundred episodes, I said your name somewhere. Find somewhere. It. Find it. <laughs> if you find it, you win a free thank you card from me. That's a pretty good thing. I have great handwriting. <laughs> Out of all the things, I, I have know. great handwriting. I do. I write the same way as Taylor Swift, and I'm left-handed, so a lot of cool fun facts about me. Interesting. The more you know. I feel like I haven't seen anything that you... Oh, no, I have. Because you had that notebook. I had a notebook once. <laughs> We should just start the episode tonight. We're the podcast notebook. No, I knew what you meant. I, I, we're getting loopy, guys. No reason why. We're just loopy tonight, which sucks because we picked a very difficult topic to talk about. That's why we're being fun now, because in a minute, when we get into this episode, we won't be able to. Yep. So I gave Kylie the tips about what this episode's about. Kylie, why don't you list what this episode's about for some trigger warnings? <laughs> Um, <clears throat> I believe the the categories that you gave me were dead children, um, suicide and lesbians. <laughs> yep, that was it. And lesbians was a was a really big topic. Yeah, just like, but there's lesbians. I got, I got kind of excited. <laughs> They're not hot or anything. They're dicks. But, you know, just, <laughs> there's lesbians. Yay. So. <clears throat> tonight we are going to discuss the Hart family, which was a tragedy that happened pretty recently. It, it was uh, 2018, so that was pretty recent. It was a murder-suicide where Jennifer and Sarah murdered their six children. So it is a big deal, and we're going to talk about it tonight. Hmm. You ready to jump on in? No, no bad phrasing with this one. You ready to start the episode in a timely manner right now? Yes. Cool. Jennifer Jen Jean Hart. What a name. <laughs> Jen is, a, is the nickname and yeah. Jean is the real name. No, Jennifer. Oh, wait, is no, the no, name. no. That's the middle name. That's confusing as fuck. We are not even a sentence in. <laughs> we, got, we got this. Okay. Her name is Jennifer Jean Hart. She goes by Jen. So I said Jennifer Jen Jean Hart. Wow. That makes sense. We're going to call her Jen. That's good. So Jen was born June 4th, 1979. She's a Gemini. Well, that explains the whole fucking episode. Yep. No, I'm kidding. Kind of. I don't know. Not really. <laughs> we both whispered it. Because <laughs> it's true. <clears throat> Except for Kyle Adams. He is a good Gemini. I don't know. that. I mean, my mom's a Gemini. I would think that she's a pretty good Gemini. Your mom? My mother, yes. The woman that gave birth to you? The woman that gave birth to me. We remember. We remember. 
I remember we had this conversation where I was supposed to be a Gemini. Okay, I don't understand the difference between moms and stepmoms and dads and stepdads, but only in Kylie's world. I don't have a stepmother. Both of her parents are her mothers and both of her parents are her fathers and she has no steps. She has like seven (laughs) parents. That is all. I don't have a stepmom. My dad is not remarried. My mother is remarried. Who's that woman that hangs out with your father? His girlfriend. I don't know about that. Seems shady. So, <laughs> so back to back to we're still not one sentence in, guys. Whoo! All right, no, we're gonna make it through tonight's episode, and you guys are gonna be like, "Wow, you did that was it. an episode." <laughs> All right, Jennifer Jen Jean Hart, born June fourth, nineteen seventy nine. Gemini bitch. She is born the same day as Angelina Jolie, and that is International Day of Innocent Children Victims of Aggression Day. No, it's not. Is that a coincidence? Isn't that fucking wild? There were so many other holidays, but I, I, that's the one. That's the one. Yep. Yep. That's the only one that matters that day. Jen was from Huron, South Dakota, and she had a simple family of two parents and two younger siblings, unlike Kylie, who has 11 parents. (laughs) According to her father, Jen was not initially raised as a Lutheran, but was baptized as one. Jen attended Huron High School. Jen's family said she grew up as a good kid, but did become a bit rebellious and acted out when she got older, especially like when she was entering her teen years. Uh, Jen was said to be pretty friendly, though, kind of dominant, kind of in charge. Right now, she's giving off like, mm, if I could just name someone kind of Kylie vibes. Excuse me. (laughs) No, it's really funny that you say that. You want to know why? Why? I'm going to I'm going to nutshell it. Okay, so I grew up Seventh-day Adventist, right? Mm hmm. Okay, but everyone on my dad's side of the family is Lutheran, and I went to a Lutheran school, but I went to Seventh-day Adventist church. So I went to a Lutheran school as a Seventh-day Adventist, and I was rebellious as fuck, and I was like, nope, you're wrong, and they discriminated against me, and then I dropped out. Hmm, kind of like what I just said, but that's okay. (laughs) Kylie is also friendly but dominant and in charge. She's an Aries, though. That makes sense also. But I was supposed to be a Gemini, so go figure. Go figure. <laughs> Jen started her college courses at Augustana. 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 August Anna. <laughs> I think it's a Augustana. August. Augustana. I don't know. You you've said it too much now that I cannot figure I can't it figure out. out what I said the first time, but I think that was the right one. Augustana. Augustana. <clears throat> nope, I went Italian. Augustana University. <laughs> <clears throat> she then transferred in 1999 to Northern State University. While in college, Jen ended up stealing a pair of Nike tennis shoes and some trading cards. So she got a petty theft charge put on a record. But Jen told police she never had a reason for doing it. So She's like, her. fuck around and find out. <laughs> Not in the good way. <laughs> Sarah Margaret Gengler was born April 8th, 1979. She's an Aries. Matt Healy from the 1975, born that same day. And that's National Catch and Release Day for Fishing. (laughs) Which, once we get to the end of this episode, what these two bitches share their birthday with is wild once you think about it. Like, Sarah had three younger siblings. Sarah's from Big Stone City, South Dakota. And although some sources claim that she's from Ortonville, Minnesota, that's adjacent to Big Stone City. And supposedly that's not Sarah's hometown. Sarah's hometown is supposed to be Big Stone City. I don't know. I've heard both. 
She's from that general area. Yeah, like once you're in the Midwest, you're in the Midwest. That's all the same. It it doesn't matter. So she's a Midwesterner. Sarah attended high school in Minnesota, though. And friends described her as a free spirit, laid back, and a person that just goes with the flow. That's not me. <laughs> that's not me either. <laughs> no. My Excel sheets will prove that's not true. <laughs> right. Sarah had initially attended the University of Minnesota for one semester, and then she transferred to Northern State University. Jen and Sarah were both at Northern State University in Aberdeen, South Dakota, and both women were majoring in elementary education. Sarah focused on special education and graduated in 2002, and Jen ended up leaving the university without graduating after Sarah was done with school. So Sarah's the only one with a degree. Jen doesn't have one. Jen estranged herself from her father after 2001. Members of Jennifer's and Sarah's family stated that the two women's the two women had distanced themselves from the family, but both families said they were really accepting of the sexual orientation. So like that wasn't the reason why they just said, like, I don't know, maybe they thought it was the reason, but like, we don't know. They just did it, you know, like weird. Just happens sometimes. Later, state government reports say that the couple cut off contact with the relatives because of criticism about their parenting and not due to the sexual orientation. So that could be the reason why. But it's also kind of a like, that's what was said. So we just go with it and believe it. It could be other reasons or it could even be sexual orientation. We don't know. There's no one to tell us. For years, Jen and Sarah told people they were just friends or they were just roommates, but then eventually they did come out finally as lesbians. When they revealed their relationship, Jen later said that she lost a lot of friends and that, I quote, the Midwestern mindset was relentlessly unforgiving and unaccepting. You don't say. Hmm, interesting. Do you feel that way? Um, I mean, nowadays, no. But I will say there was this one girl that came out as bisexual when I was in high school and she was fucking shunned, like literally shunned. People wouldn't talk to her. People wouldn't be her friend. And I remember I had just transferred to that school and I didn't know that. And I became friends with her and people were hostile to me like all day because I just sat with her at lunch. And that's literally all I did was I sat with her at lunch. And the whole rest of the time that I knew that like she ate alone she like took a lot of like alone courses she was like also an art student and stuff her and I were actually a lot alike she was a grade or two above me so I didn't see her like a super long time but still um nowadays I mean I don't feel like I get that much backlash or anything but I will say I'm also I feel like it's kind of obvious that I'm not straight most of the time I mean, if you go by Corey standards, it's very obvious, <laughs> but like most of my coworkers knew within weeks, like I was showing up every day to work and I'm just a lot more, I'm not masculine, but I'm more masculine than a normal feminine person in a lot of the things I do and the mannerisms I have. So they were all kind of like, yeah, we kind of got the vibe, like either you, you are bisexual or something, but like it's. I could see it very easily. So it didn't take me by surprise, at least mm -hmm. if like I was super girly and then all of a sudden I came out, they were they were like, oh, I would have been shocked then. But you're not super girly. I'm like, OK, that makes sense. So. You feel like it's more hostile in the Midwest than it is. Oh, yeah, really? Well, are, are, I'm the Midwest. I'm claiming is part of the Bible Belt, too. Like that's all the Midwest. Okay. 
Like I'm thinking Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, whatever this row of states is right here. Minnesota. Yeah, all those fucking weird ass places. Maybe the Dakotas or something. I don't even mm-hmm. know where the Dakotas are. They're next to Minnesota. Kansas, Missouri. <laughs> what's near? What's that thing shaped like a pan? Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm going to say all those places. A pan? Yeah. Has a handle and it's got a pan. It's square, though. No. Yes. It has a pan handle. Yeah, but the the pan part is square. But it has a handle. (laughs) That makes it a pan. Which is fine. but That's a pan with a handle. Yeah, but the, the rest of the state is square. I was thinking of like a pan. Like a pan. Not a baking sheet. A like a pot pan. Yeah. A pan. Yeah. We're on the same page. We're saying the same thing. I'm just thinking like like a skillet. You know, sometimes they're square. I didn't say skillet. I'm I aware of that. <laughs> okay, we're moving. <laughs> I found something I say very weird this weekend. If you want a little, you say something weird. Yeah, what? that's and, unheard of. My mom and Mar- Margie found it out. So I had to say two words next to each other that have essentially almost all the same letters, and I it's hard to say it already. But it turns out I say it quite odd. So I'm just gonna say it, and if you need me to, I'll spell it. But a roof boot. <laughs> a what? A roof boot. R O O F. The thing on top of your house. A roof. And then a boot, the thing you wear on your foot. It's like where your electrical chimney part of your house is, but it's called a roof boot. <laughs> That's what they did too. They were snickering at me because I kept saying roof boot. Well, you say like, a roof boot. <laughs> Can't even like do it. <laughs> That's what it's called, a roof boot. A rough. I didn't say no fucking dog sounds. I didn't say rough. I said roof. <laughs> We're not. We're gonna move on from this, anyways. (laughs) I don't even know why we started talking. The hostility. The hostilities to the gays. Yes. That's why. Yes. Okay. So they thought that it it was a a little touchy, I guess. Okay. So keep that in mind. The couple then moved to Alexandria, Minnesota, in two thousand four, and they both worked at the same department store, and it's called (laughs) (laughs) Herbigers. Her burgers? Her burgers. Her burgers. Oh, God. Her <laughs> Wouldn't it be called her burgers? Or is it like her burgers? Her burgers? You're making me think of Shit's Creek. <laughs> Have you seen it? Have you seen Shit's Creek? Well, yeah. I okay, see- when, when Moira has that wine, that wine thing. <laughs> Okay, in my mind, I was thinking, have you ever seen the Pink Panther with Steve Martin? Who, a long time ago. And he tries to say hamburger and he's like, Dembeglia. <laughs> and they keep getting mad because he's like, Dembeglia. Oh. Oh okay, but I think it's called Airburgers. Airburgers. Herburgers. <laughs> Do you think it's a hard or a soft H? Herburgers. I, I think it's Herburgers. <laughs> Herburgers. Or it's Herburgers. Herburgers. Okay. Okay, they guys. worked there. It, it's 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 spelled H E R B E R G E R S. Herburgers. <laughs> Herburgers. Okay, we're so fucking off the rails tonight. I'm sorry, guys. It's fine. 
<laughs> it's also that we've had some really weird episodes in a row. So like, it's hard for us to recenter ourselves. Okay. Now they worked at this store. <laughs> Jen was recognized as the dominant person in their relationship. A woman with a big personality who liked to be in control and was not afraid to let her voice be heard. Sarah was seen as sensitive and passive. Kind of she's like not an Aries. She's well, no. But I feel like those two mesh in relationships well. Like me, loud and boisterous. Margie, <clears throat> quiet and not, uh, well, not nice, but quiet. And then there's you guys, you, um, loud and aggressive. And then Corey. Uh, Too nice for his own good. Yeah. Uh, passive aggressive. <laughs> He's, I mean, in a good way. Corey's He's not passive kinda, to me. Or to people he's like super comfortable with. But Actually, he's, I don't know if passive aggressive even is the term for him. He's just. He's just a brush it off my shoulder. That's what he does. He kind of just doesn't. He's just he's like, just like Man, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like those That's two passive a little bit, but, but not passive aggressive. It's just yeah, it's just yeah. passive, I guess. Yeah. Those type of people in relationships mesh, I think, very well. It's because we'll speak up for the people that you know how like. If Margie Margie's got, food's messed up, yeah. I will be the bitch that yeah. says something. Yes. Yep. yep. Margie's too scared to make the phone call. Oh, Cena's going to make the phone call. Yep. yep. While living in Alexandria, Minnesota, in the summer of 2004, the couple fostered a 15-year-old girl, and most people refer to this girl as Lee, as her name. So this foster child's usually called Lee because originally her name was not allowed to be on record since she was underage at the time, but later when she speaks out in news publications, she says it was on the condition that she couldn't be identified. But then later the Times asks her, can they use a variation of her name? And she says, you can use a variation of my middle name, which is where Lee comes from. So that's why people call her Lee. Hmm. A variation of her middle name. Yeah. So I'm wondering if is. her name is like Aaliyah or like Leandra or something, you know. Aaliyah, that's the first one I fucking said. Allie. Lester. It could literally be anything. It could be Lee, actually. Kylie. And just spelled different. Oh, yeah, Kylie. That's a good one. I know one of those. (laughs) Do you? Yeah. Um, Lee was a junior high student because, like I said, she's only 15 years old. So she's a she's a in a junior. She's a junior in high school. She's a junior in high school not a junior high i said that weird sorry she said they had lots of pets and while living with the hearts uh i don't know if they're actually the hearts at this point i don't think they got married at this point but i'm gonna call them the hearts for right now she stayed in touch with her birth mom and she had a therapist lee said that jen was moody and volatile and sarah was super laid back lee would say the first six months were really good we went camping we went to events we kept busy we did a lot of things i haven't really done before There was this one time the hearts took Lee to get a makeover where they worked and Lee was more of like a tomboy. So this wasn't like her thing. So it was said that the people who were doing the makeover described the scene as Lee looking unhappy while Jen and Sarah stood by with their arms crossed, like annoyed that Lee looked unhappy. Because they're, I guess, you know, trying to do something nice for Lee, but Lee doesn't want this. But that's not what Lee wants. And so now Lee's irritated. So they're irritated that they just wanted Lee to be appreciative. Yeah. There was another incident. The family went to a Green Bay Packers fan. No, Green Bay Packers game. And you have to know that Jen is like the world's biggest Green Bay Packers fan ever. Like 
She was obsessed. They both liked Green Bay Packers, but definitely Jen was like ride or die type fan. Gotcha. What do you have any teams you're a ride or die fan for? Not ride or die, but I will cheer for the Mariners. Oh, I'm sorry. It's fine. I'm a huge, huge Lakers fan. For anyone I love knows baseball. Me. I love basketball and football and hockey. I like hockey, too. Hockey is just fun. Yeah. Baseball. Uh, I like it if I'm going to go see it, but like watching it on TV, I get a little bored. You know what I mean? I can watch it on TV, but I like going to games. Yeah. But yeah. baseballs are one of the funnest games to like go to baseball and basketball, I will say. Yeah, I have been to a basketball game. It was not as fun as baseball, but I don't know. I don't know what it is about baseball. My only goal in life is to go to a Lakers game. It's not my only goal. It's my only sports goal, I should say. I've been to a lot of different games, a lot of stadiums, things like that. But the only time I've gotten to go to the Lakers stadium was when it was closed during COVID. So that sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it was not very long after everything happened with LeBron. And so that was even more sad. And I feel like it was depressing. Green Bay fans are Are always. Yeah, it's like Patriots fans. If you're a Patriots fan, you are a Patriots fan. Green Bay Packers, you're a Green Bay Packers fan. Yeah. Yeah. So I see that. So they wanted to go to a Green Bay Packers game. So they were going to take Lee and they brought footballs, hoping to have them signed by the star running back at that time, because I guess that was like, I think either Jen or Sarah's favorite, I almost said character, favorite player. (laughs) So they were like, oh, you know, I want to get this signed. So since Jen was such a huge fan, she wanted, oh, I guess was Jen probably because she's the bigger fan. She wanted a signature. And when they approached um, the Green Bay Packers, person that they were like gonna talk to after the game they held up the football and his last name was green which is funny um (laughs) he works for the green bay packers and he's green stop it green ended up picking only one of the footballs to sign even though like everyone was holding up their footballs and he picked lee's so he picked lee's football out and then he signed it and then he handed it back jen was fucking pissed at this (laughs) and she was like why would he pick her She was so mad that she literally ignored Lee for the next few days, like that mad, ignoring the 15 year old child as if she did something wrong there. Right. Weird. Because she had anything to do with it. Anything. Okay. Lee was told she had to get a job while living with the couple to learn to be responsible. So she started working at Subway. But beyond school and work, she was not allowed to hang out with friends or leave the house. Anytime she even asked, Sarah and Jen would instantly tell her no. She, w- she wasn't even allowed to do that stuff. Despite these all seeming like just a bunch of small issues, which you know what happens when you have a ton of small issues, they snowball. But they all seemed like snow, uh, snow. They all seemed like <laughs> small issues for Lee. So Lee planned on staying with the couple until she was 18. It would only be three years. It wasn't that bad, you know, probably better than foster care. Anyways, the couple had asked if she wanted to stay and she said she did. So they had been meeting with officials about it and talking about what would happen if Lee was, you know, going to stay with her. All the while, the family was also talking and planning to adopt more children. So they were asking Lee if she was excited about this and if she wanted to be a big sister and everything else. And they kept like telling her things to prepare her to be a big sibling by like if she was doing something, they'd be like, oh, well, you should do that because it's going to be an influence on your little brother and sister someday. And like, oh, don't do that. That's a bad example for them. So she's literally paving the way. Both of them are. Then the couple ended up going to Texas for a week because they were going to meet some of the children that they would end up trying to adopt. At this time, Lee stayed with another family while they were gone. 
And then when they got back, they all reunited and they like told Lee about the children they met. They showed her pictures. They were like, are you excited? She's excited. She's like, are you guys excited? Yeah. They're like, are you ready to be a big sister? She's like, yeah. So Lee was ready, right? A week before this, um, before like the, or not before that, but like a week before the Texas children were going to come up, live up north with Jen and Sarah, the couple went to drop Lee off for her normal therapist appointment. And then while at the appointment, the therapist broke the news and told Lee that Jen and Sarah are never, are like never going to come back for her and that Lee is actually going to go start living with a new family immediately and that they also dropped off bags for her. Dang. <laughs> That's fucked up. It's fucked up, but also she's the only survivor. I mean... Silver lining. Silver lining, but damn. But fucked up. Yeah, fucked up. Especially older children have harder times getting placed in adoptive care anyways and like foster care. And she's 15 and bouncing around families like that, people will also start to wonder, why are you bouncing around? She sounds like a good kid. Like she doesn't sound like she did everything. She didn't even hang out with friends or anything. So, you know, she's not getting in anything and she has a job and everything. Mm. Okay. So in 2005, Sarah asked a local court to change her last name and have it altered to match her partners. And that's when they actually started going by the hearts. So earlier when I said I didn't think so, I was right. They, they weren't the hearts yet, but now they're the hearts. The couple went to Connecticut to be married in 2009 at the at that time. Same sex marriage wasn't legal everywhere in the U.S., so they had to travel. So they went to Connecticut. Jen worked miscellaneous jobs until she decided to become a stay at home mom in 2006. Sarah was a manager at that fun named store, Erbergers. <laughs> it is Schitt's Creek. Like, that's literally like Hermergers. I don't remember what she says, but it's so freaking funny. And you know what? One person is going to be listening and be like, I work there or I know so it. So my mom's the manager and <laughs> you're stupid. <laughs> right. Yeah. After a period of living in Westland, Oregon, Oregon, Oregon. I say Oregon. Oregon. Okay, good. The Hearts ended up moving to an area near Woodland, Washington. Sarah became a manager at Kohl's in Hazel Dell while Jen was a stay-at-home parent. I almost said Hazel Deli. You're so <laughs> lucky I didn't. Now, we're going to switch roles here. We've talked about Jen and Sarah a lot. Now we're going to talk about the children more. Okay? So just ignore that we've been talking about them. We're on a new episode, new tangent here, right? Okay. Tammy Shurich was the mother of Marcus, Hannah, and Abigail. Tammy had a rough life. She was homeless off and on since she was 17 when she ran away from home to meet an older boyfriend. Tammy said that she took a Greyhound bus from Corpus Christi, Texas. At that point, she was living there with her grandparents and she wanted to leave to go meet this guy that she was, you know, dating, talking to, whatever, in Houston. But when she got there, he never showed up. Now, her grandfather told her, you make your bed, you lie in it. And if you leave, you can't come back. So pretty much he refused to let her come back home after that day. And so she was on her own. At that point, a young and homeless Tammy soon gave birth to her first child named Marcus in 1988. At the age of 18, she had him. Nope. What'd I say? 88. Did I say 1988? Yes. Oh, 1998. Very different. At the age of 18. Yeah. Someone asked me, by the way, in one episode, they asked why I make so many mistakes when I read and I don't have an answer for you. I, my, my mouth, I guess, moves faster than my brain or my eyes or my brain moves faster than my mouth and my eyeballs. I don't know. 
Someone also asked me in that same time, am I actually dyslexic? I've never been diagnosed. I can't tell you for sure. I have been in therapy, though, in my life, and I have had three separate therapists throughout 30 years tell me they think I have slight dyslexia issues, but I've never been like tested or anything for it. So I don't know. I just think that I uh, jumped the gun, to be honest. And I don't (laughs) think you I think you read faster than your mouth moves yeah and like it can't process it and usually my biggest issue is numbers and I have had some uh health issues that make numbers slightly hard for me as a person in general to uh fathom so I think that's part of it um so there you go a little bit about me why I suck at reading uh but I type all the outlines and they're all like 10 plus pages so I clearly know how to read and write I just uh can't when put on the spot, clearly. <laughs> so a young and homeless Tammy we were talking about, she gave birth to Marcus in 1998, not 88. She was the age of 18. She would often leave him for long periods of time with her grandparents. And it took time, but eventually Tammy did realize she wanted to become a better parent to her children. In 2002, Tammy was pregnant with her third child, Abigail. She was living in Corpus Christi when a series of events led her to an entanglement with CPS. At a birthday party in July of 2003, okay, Hannah, her second child, who was like one and a half years old at this point, got covered with ant bites while playing outside. One of the bites got infected with a hard to treat staph infection, so they had to remove a chunk the size of a quarter off of Hannah's skin. The doctor informed CPS which opened a case for potential me- potential medical neglect. Now, when the agency got involved with the family, Tammy said she was really scared and briefly decided to place Abigail, who was not yet born, up for adoption. So the, the baby that's in her. Once they settled down in Columbus with her grandparents, ta- Tammy had changed her mind. And that's why Abigail was born just after Christmas and like born to her still. But... That helped relieve some of that tension with CPS because she did offer, but then she had a stable environment by being back with her grandparents. So they were allowed to let it slide kind of. Okay. Now we obviously know something changes because they end up being up for adoption. So it was. So they, sorry, they. So they kind of like. Push themselves into that into their lives like ant bites aren't how is that medical neglect because they let it go yeah she wasn't seen right away yeah because when you get a staph infection it's untreated and so that's what they were saying is that she should have been treated right away and she wasn't yeah part not the bites because i wouldn't But she probably saw the ant bites and she's like, we can treat that at home. Just put some calamine lotion on it. You'll be fine. But then one of them turned to a staph infection. And that's when she had to go to the hospital because you probably should have came in when you had the ant bites. You didn't. Well, one of the ant bites was infected. You didn't know that it turned into staph. So it was medical neglect not to come in when the ant bites were occurring. So now you have to come in for the staph infection. But we could have nipped this whole thing in the bud if you would have came in for the ant bites. Mm. See? Yeah. Messy. But also, I mean, if my kids said they were 100% okay and they just had some bug bites and they really acted like they were okay, I don't know if I would have. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes they say like, you know, like you fake out your kid. If they fall and get hurt, you don't right away be like, oh my God, are you okay? You instead be like, oh my God, you're totally fine. Look at you, champ. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, oh, yeah, I am okay. Yeah. 
So it's a really fine line. I'm not telling anyone how to parent. Clearly, I don't know shit. I have tarantulas. What do I know? Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I can slightly see Tammy's defense of why she didn't think it was a thing. And yeah, I mean, who knew though? I mean, unless it looked bad. Like, was. Yeah. Like if it's pussing, like, obviously, why didn't you take it in? We right. don't know. We, we, we don't know. We can't advocate either way, I guess. But yeah. at the same time, we, I, we would like more information. So we do know that situation. So the next thing that happened is another uh, CPS medical instance, which that one's in the back of your mind. It just happened. And then she finally gets the rights back. Like she gets the kid and everything. Right. Well, then in February 2004. Just a few weeks before Hannah's second birthday, Hannah develops an upper respiratory infection that turned into pneumonia. Tammy said. She had taken Hannah to the doctor early in February and the doctor had changed Hannah's asthma medication and sent them home. But then, according to a police report filed the next month, Tammy didn't show up for a planned doctor's appointment the next day and waited too long to take Hannah to the hospital. And she was instructed by the doctor over the phone to come in, but she didn't. So even though Tammy's saying it's the doctor's fault, the doctor's saying it's Tammy's fault, it now falls on Tammy because her child's sick. And who are you going to believe? Yeah. The doctor. So Tammy then called an ambulance, but she had no one to care for Abigail and Marcus. So she was forced to wait for a ride. The ride was the CPS worker, Sharon Kirby. So now she also has to admit like, hey, I need help. I clearly can't take care of my kids because my other kids going to the hospital and it looks bad on her. But technically, she's also doing the right thing by calling someone still. But that's not how CPS sees it is the thing, because they're like, yeah, but I should be your last resort. But since she doesn't really have family and stuff, she's like, but you should see I'm using someone. I'm, it's better than me leaving uh, the kids yeah, at home. I see both sides. I don't know. Yeah. So that that's one's a, really that's messy. That's a stretch. That's a slippery slope right there. While at the hospital, a nurse came to talk with Sharon Kirby, the CPS worker. And when the worker returned, she told Tammy that she is going to lose custody of her children. And she already had the paperwork in her hands. So Tammy relinquished her rights to her children in 2004 because she was again charged with medical neglect. At this point, Abigail, Hannah, and Marcus were going to be adopted by a family that had came and visited them in Colorado County, Texas, which was the Hearts. The placement came on March 4th, 2006. They were adopted that September. By June 2008, they adopted three more children. So now let's talk about those. So for this part, for two years, those three children were living with the Hart family. So Jen and Sarah had Abigail, Hannah, and Marcus. But now they're going to go meet with someone else. And they don't have Lee. Yes. And Lee's gone now. So let's talk about the next ones. So these next kids, after their biological mother named Sherry Davis, had lost custody due to substance abuse problems and neglect issues in 2006 of August. The Davis children were given to their paternal aunt, Priscilla Celestine. Celeste. Celestine. Celestine, probably. Celestine, yeah. The condition was they were to have no contact with their biological mother. So Priscilla was not allowed Sherry to see the children at all. And Priscilla and Sherry are siblings. Hmm. Which has to. Well, I mean, substance abuse is a slippery slope. Yes. But also think of that gut wrenching feeling. Priscilla would feel devastated if that was her in Sherry's shoes. But also Sherry should understand what Priscilla has at stake there, too. It's a very sad scenario. 
However, Priscilla also was required to work because she had to provide for the children, right? Obviously, that makes sense. There were three children. And so Priscilla was required to work a shift one day and Priscilla could not find a babysitter no matter what she did. She was trying left and right. So she's like, okay, it's just for a few hours. Like some some reports say it was like a four hour shift. So it didn't seem like a long shift, whatever it was. Well, Priscilla finally caved and she allowed Sherry to come over and babysit the children. A CPS worker found out about this incident. And as a result, the children were removed from Priscilla's care and the court prevented her from ever obtaining any custody ever again. Well, you can't. Mm, yeah, you really can't break those. OK, I, I know. But hear me out. Hear me out. Priscilla, who is working hard to provide for these three kids and try to give them a loving, stable home, is not allowed to have them because she makes this tiny error. But Jen and Sarah Hart, who literally neglected Lee and just dropped her off on a therapist's doorstep, are allowed to adopt them. Do you see what I'm saying, though? Like, oh, yeah. Well, I don't feel like that's fair either. That part is a little bit, you know, fucky. But this part. I feel like Priscilla should have gotten a second chance. That sounds really fucked, but I really do think. And if you see pictures of Priscilla with these children, she's always so happy. The children are happy. Like, it is gut-wrenching when you know what happened and you see any photos. It's just fucked up. That's sad. The Davis children were put up for foster care and then later, obviously, eventually adopted by the Hearts. So these three children were Sierra Maya, born in 2005, Devante Jordan, born in 2002, and Jeremiah, born in 2004. They originated from Houston, and now they're they're moving in to the Hearts. It's February of 2009. The placement's complete. So these three children are now adopted by the Hearts also. Their older brother, Dante, was not adopted by the Hearts. So there was actually a fourth child. I have not brought that up yet because he's older. Here's why. There are two theories why Dante was not adopted. And he is kind of like a teen at this point. I I don't know the exact age, but I'm thinking early teens. I'm thinking actually anywhere from like 11 to 15. Okay. Okay. The two theories are number one, it could have been due to behavioral issues because some people say he was placed in a mental health facility because he wasn't in his correct state of mind, which if that's the case, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But number two, the other reason, and this strikes me as odd because of what happened with Lee, they say the hearts didn't want older children to adopt so that like the children were as privy to what was happening. They wanted those young children. I think it would depend on how old he was, but yeah. I mean, someone at 11 knows as much as someone at 15 if they're getting treated rough. They know to tell someone, you know what I mean? Yeah. But someone at eight is too scared because they're like, I don't want anything bad to happen to mommy. I feel like, you know what I mean? And I can't be wrong, but I mean, just from what I've seen and know in that sense, um, that's where I stand. So now there's six children and Jen and Sarah, and they call themselves the heart tribe. And the heart tribe is now complete. Sarah and Jen liked how they looked like the model of a progressive 21st century family, two white lesbian mothers and six adopted black children. That's how they marketed themselves. Okay. They liked the way that they looked because they're two white lesbians already rare and they're two white lesbians that adopted only black children. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Look at this progressiveness. 21st century. (laughs) It's like freaking soup in here. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it's just a little much. We can see what you're doing right now. Like, 
chill. So they liked the way this looked on paper and they liked the way it looked on social media a lot. So they use that to their advantage. So I'm going to try to give you a little disclaimer about a lot of the kids because I start to talk about some of them in particular, and I don't really get to talk about all of them just because there are six children and two adults that we're about to talk about. So I'm at least going to talk about each one real quick. Marcus was the quiet child who loved reading. Devante was said to be very outgoing with a heartwarming smile and a loving personality. And it's true. The smile will make you cry. It's beautiful. Devante would spend his birthdays standing outside with a free hug sign and getting donations that he would give to charities for every single birthday. He did this. That's what he did for his birthdays. That's wore a awesome. sign and he did it. There's so many photos. You guys, this Instagram post is going to break your heart. This genuinely is going to be the one. So Hannah was the quiet child. She loved observing people and things. Abigail was the child who really loved animals. Jeremiah was one of the louder children. He loved the idea of caring for one another. So he was super affectionate towards all of his siblings. Sierra was the youngest and she had a huge heart. She really cared about her siblings and pretty much just anyone she met. She was super full of love. All the children really were full of love and compassionate for everyone that they ever met, but especially towards each other. They saw themselves as a full family. Like these six children loved one another so deeply you can see it in everything. They would always smile ear to ear. They would call themselves a big hug. The children loved each other. That's good because sometimes that's not the case. No, not at all. So this is like already like, oh, Rare. this is such a heartwarming story, right? Yeah. Well, other than for Lee. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just wait. So Jen was super active on social media. And she used Facebook to constantly project an image of a loving, happy family. And she would share their thoughts on race, politics, and trips that the family went on. And the family went on a lot of things. They went to a lot of rallies and they went to a lot of concerts, festivals, and adventures. All this social media was a fake presence that helped mask a lot of the problems within the family, though. And when I talk about a lot of rallies, this was around the time of Bernie Sanders. And I will post one of the pictures of that. But like... They were on stage at a Bernie Sanders event, like on the stage and stuff. And you can like see them and uh, Devante. I don't even want to talk about it. I just realized that project and project. Are they spelled the same? It's on social media and use Facebook to project. That word is project. But how do you spell project? I don't know. Is it the same? I don't know. All right, guys, gotta look it up. Look up a projector screen to buy. Yeah, they're the same. Huh. How do you feel about project and project? It is the same fucking word. I told you. Because <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's the same word. <laughs> yeah. At least I knew what I was reading for once. <laughs> that's... We have had two episodes like back to back where we talk about the English language project yeah. and project are the same word. You know, just you, you learned it here first. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everyone's gonna be like, yeah, I knew that one. No. It, it shocked Kylie tonight. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> in September of 2008, while the family was living in Minnesota, a teacher observed bruises on Hannah's left arm. The child later told authorities that Jen had struck her with a belt. The child was also said to be stealing food from other classmates' lunch and from the trash. 
The Hart's parents told authorities the bruise was actually due to the child falling down the stairs at the home. So let's real quick dissect. We're going to dissect a lot of paragraphs here. The whole kids falling and getting hurt. Such a slippery slope because yes, kids do fall and get hurt all the fucking time. But also, I feel like when it comes from the kid's mouth, sometimes you should take it with just a little bit more grain of salt than not because kids sometimes are like disgustingly honest. Yeah. And like, yeah, sometimes they're blasphemy, but something like that sounds really real. It's not like they were like, well, mommy. I can't even think of something that sounds outrageous, but like mommy and her billionaire boyfriend, you know, like when they exaggerate, they exaggerate like that. Mm -hmm. Not my mom hit me with a belt. That's not the exaggeration. When kids lie, I feel like they're like so obvious. So that's a little. And then another thing. Okay, stealing from classmates lunch. That could be just seen as, you know, like the kid wanted whatever they wanted. Oh, you have hostess. I want that. That happens. A kid stealing from the trash should be a telltale sign that they are not either getting fed enough at home or that something is slightly off. Well, it's also common with foster kids, though. True, but I... But what is look slippery into slope. it at yeah, least? Absolutely. Yes. Especially what was the child's like weight BMI? Like, are they slightly malnutritioned on top of that? Because right. that's presenting a large issue here right yeah. away. In 2010, so we're two years later, Abigail told a teacher she had owies on her tummy and back. The teacher said she found bruises that stretched from the girl's sternum to her belly button. And then from her mid back to her waistband over her jeans. So her whole midriff, essentially. The discovery prompted the teacher to contact social services and the police. When the teacher asked Abigail how she got the bruises, she said, mom hit me. So now we have two. Like, you would think that that's a already red Red flag. flag. Yeah, definitely a red flag. In an interview with authorities, Abigail said Jen, the mom, had drug her into the bathroom and submerged her head under cold water in the bathtub. Abigail added that mom Jen spanks the most and acts tough when she's upset with the children. That's what she said in a police report. Now, granted, kids don't understand what police reports are sometimes, so maybe shouldn't know it's on record. But still, all these things are adding up. Let's look into them a lot more, and especially if she's going to like leave or move. Let's let this trail of paperwork follow her. Maybe Mm -hmm. that seems logical. Yeah. Sarah Hart then said that it was her who did it and not Jennifer, her partner, and that Sarah had actually struck the child. Sarah said she bent her daughter over the bathtub and swatted her repeatedly, which likely led to the bruising. During police questioning, Sarah admitting to letting her anger get out of control and spanking her daughter. The incident was supposedly over the stupidest thing I've ever heard. A penny that Abigail said she found, but the parents said she had to have stolen a penny, a penny, one cent, one penny. I'm getting the vibes of remember the nickel and fucking Sylvia Likens. I'm getting those vibes. So. The authorities became involved. All children claimed that they have been spanked constantly and deprived of food the whole time they've been living with the hearts. Again, this is matching up with everything we've heard so far. So Abigail then reported a few weeks before this incident to someone at the school and they found this. 
that Jen had supposedly banged her head against a wall for the family getting a phone call about her digging through the trash at the school for food. Then Hannah repeatedly told the school nurse that she hadn't eaten all day and she told her that multiple days in a row. Sarah claimed Hannah was merely playing the food card and recommend that they they just give her water. That's not how that works. That's That's not how that works. Sarah admitting to taking her daughter to the bathroom, bending over the edge of the bathtub and hitting her on her backside. Remember, right? We talked about that. So when that happened, she was charged with domestic assault and malicious punishment, according to the court testimonies and like records back then. She agreed to plead guilty to the domestic assault charge and the malicious punishment charge. Sorry, she agreed to plead guilty to the domestic assault charge. And if she did that, the malicious punishment charge would be dropped. Okay. So Sarah ended up having a probation and she reached a probation agreement on April 14th, 2011, the week after she pleaded guilty to physically abusing Abigail, who was only six during that whole scenario, by the way, like six years old. And Mm -hmm. she's the one that said she had the owies all over her body. Sarah was sentenced to receive 90 days suspended jail sentence and a year of probation from the incident. Jen and Sarah then removed the children from public school that week and the family packed up and moved to Oregon. That should be a paper trail following. Right. Very. That's the biggest red flag in the whole statement so far now. So the Hearts ended up packing up and moving to West Lynn, a suburb of Portland. The family rented a house and raised goats and chickens in the backyard. As was the case before, Sarah worked and Jen stayed home with the six children. And remember, Jen's the bitchy one. So, like, that sucks. You don't even get like why time would away you, from Why her. would you even want it? Why would you even? I. She's just. What's the point? To look cool on the Internet because she's progressive. Duh. Duh. Sorry. Forgot. The Hearts received funds from the state of Texas to cover their six adopted children, which accounted for like 50 percent of the family income. So it was okay that Jen was staying home and not working because they're still getting money from the states because of adopting six fucking children. Right. In 2013, there were anonymous reports put into the police about how the Hart children were being treated. These reports included harsh punishment and being denied food. Now, Oregon officials were unable to determine if the accusations were legitimate, so they entirely dismissed them. And again, if that paper trail would have followed, we would have a running total at this point. Right. The hearts began then attending like fun events again, kind of like they did with Lee. Like everything's all hunky dory all of a sudden. So they started by going to a lot of music festivals. And like I'm talking like those like days long ones and stuff like that. They would do that and they would do big fun stuff. And they did it as a family union union. they did it as a family unit and they became well-known members of the nationwide festival community the heart children were often seen dancing and singing at these events and attendees would always look on with smiles and they just seemed like a happy family like in every photo and video you see Mm -hmm. you're you're you got this is karma for you I listened to it, though. I remember. <laughs> this is so much karma for you. They, the family had a friend named Alexandra Agropopoulos. Nope. What? Because there's not two Ps. Alexandra Agropolis. Our 
Skyropolis. Guys, this 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 name is A R G Y R O P O U L O S. So is it gyro or is it going to be euro like the sandwich? Because if so, it's our Europolis, which Ooh. sounds better. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. Our Europolis. That sounds like like a Greek name, and that sounds normal. But saying our Gyropolis sounds like a disease. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I have no idea how to say this name, but her name is Alexandra, and we'll go with yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> so AA girl. Um, she was a friend. The family had met through Facebook. They later visited her twice in the Bay Area, so she was just like a big family friend now. She said while she was with them that she had witnessed what it felt like to be emotional abuse and cruel punishment by the parents to those children. She said that the authorities told her the children had been interviewed and were likely coached in their responses, though. So she like told people, but nothing happened. The Oregon Department of Human Services said they could do nothing more and everything pretty much got dropped because there wasn't enough evidence to make a case. I feel like this happens way too much. Like every time we talk about how literally, oh, it could have been caught. Oh, it could have been caught. Oh, it could have been caught. And then it never is each fucking time. And then you're like. The next one, it'll get caught. Well, kids are so, like, impressionable. Like, obviously, they're getting abused and will continue to be abused if they say the truth or the wrong thing in their interview. Yes, that's another thing. If they say the truth, if they say the truth and something isn't fixed that day, that's living hell for that child. Yeah, so obviously, they're not going to do that. So you need other methods to figure this shit out well it didn't happen that time and then the family severed all the ties with alexandria and she said she never talked to him again after all that after she reported them also a red flag (laughs) a very big red flag (laughs) like i feel like that's all we have in this so far in 2013 the family attended beloved it's a music festival centered around art and mysticism in tidewater a lot of people remember meeting the Hart family or the Hart tribe, if you will. And then there's this famous video. There's quite a few famous things that are in this case that you might not realize that you've seen or heard of this, but you have. And then when you when you see it or hear it again on the Facebook, you're going to be like, or on the Instagram, either one, you're going to be like, oh, my God, I never realized that. Like, I think that's me because I feel like I feel like I know about this now. Well, with the, the, with the first, festivals thing, the first time I had heard this case, I was like, oh, my God, this is reminding me exactly of this picture of this little boy during a Black uh, Lives Matter uh, riot where he's hugging a white police officer crying in this police officer's arms. And I was like, that reminds me of this. And then they're like, so that was Devante. You were right. Aww. And I was like, oh. Oh my God, I didn't realize like all of this is coming together. And then you went down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my God, please tell me at least he lives. Please tell me at least he lives. And then I was, he has the most tragic story of all, of course. Mm. So, Devante, we're going to talk about a lot about him because Devante is kind of like the main child because he's the most, oh, what? Well, and that's another thing. Like, there's six of them, aren't they? Like, they're older ish, right? Yeah, there's varying ages. I'll I'll talk about them later, especially when it happens in the end. There, some of them are in their teens because this takes place over years. The hearts have them for years. Yeah, I, w- I would have just like been bigger than them. If I don't know, I haven't seen what they look like because so. the the adoption, if you remember, takes place in 
what, uh, 2006, did I say? I went to double check. Um, 2009 was the second adoption of the, the second three children. The first adoption of the first three children was in 2006. So, um, 2006 and 2009. I think I said 2006 twice. Sorry. So, the beginning of this starts in 2006. The deaths don't occur until 2018. They have these kids for over 10 years. It's, there's more of them than there are the two of the others. Yeah, but Jen's a fierce bitch. Uh, okay. So, and also they're deprived of food and stuff. They're not yeah, really yeah, in fighting condition. True, yeah. And some of them are small too. Also, what if only some of the kids got out? That's even worse for the kids that are back. And you never know. Things yeah. can go wrong. And they're, they could play the cards being like, well, their mothers are drug addicts and they probably are too. You never know. It's such a slippery slope with literally all of it. Yeah. And it's harder with them being in foster care. Yeah. So like being adopted. Yeah. Because people are going to say, well, they're just doing this because it's not their parent or something. It's right. It's just like they're being rebellious. Yeah. So this one that we're going to talk about, this beloved music festival. Okay. The Hart family is there and there's this video that came out from this event and you can look it up on YouTube. It's, I think like probably five minutes long or so. I think, yeah, it's about five minutes long, maybe. So the video has Devante and he's young, but I don't remember the exact age. Um, cause I guess we could do some math real quick. He's older, right? He was born in 2002. This event is 2013. He's 11. So at 11 years old is in this video. Okay. The video has Devante standing in the crowd and he must like wave or something at first to get noticed. But the video has the singer Xavier Rudd. He's an Australian musician. He like waves for Devante to come on stage. So he's like, come here, come here. Devante is wearing a zebra print costume, kind of like a uh, onesie to me, in a sense, kind of, but like Mm -hmm. not. He had his free hug sign. And so Xavier waves for Devante to come on stage because he sees the free hug sign and he's like, come give me a hug. Like, come here, come here. And then Devante comes up on stage. Devante has hearts shaved into the side of his head and his hair is like dyed so that the word loved is like shaved in the middle of his head so there's loved in like a mohawk or something like that and then hearts on the side if i remember correctly or something mm-hmm. it's super cute he's just the sweetest happiest child in the fucking world that deserved nothing but goodness then the guy xavier grabs Devonte into a hug and Devonte and xavier start hugging this fucking hug makes Devonte just break down into emotional tears on stage And this hug lasts for 90 seconds. Okay. That's a minute and a half. Doesn't seem like a long time, but if I made you guys sit here and like us just wait 90 seconds and be like, I want you to pick something up, put it in your hand and just hold it for 90 seconds. You're gonna be like, that felt like fucking ever. Yes. Because when I was watching, I was like, I, did I pause it? Like, what the fuck? This is so long. And Devante's just crying and Xavier is still kind of like singing and playing music. And all these people are just watching. And then the singer starts crying because he's just like embracing Devante. And it's this beautiful, fucking sad, tragic, beautiful moment. Well, then he like kind of like whispers to Devante, like, thank you or something like that. It's just like something really quick. And then Devante leaves. He gets off stage and he returns to his family and the audience fucking goes insane, cheering and applauding. 
So there is one thing that people talk about. Um, the crowd for that audience is pretty much like all older white women. And like some people are like, okay, maybe Xavier had done it for like a publicity stunt. Like, oh, I'm going to hug this small black child on stage to look cool because he had a free hug sign. But like, I don't know. Xavier Rudd seems like a pretty down to earth dude when you hear his music. And like when you see this emotional breakdown, it seemed like the most genuine thing ever. And it, it was seemed like, like real. yeah, like yeah. it seemed like that was Devante like begging for help. And it just sadly didn't get noticed the right way. Yeah. Which you'll learn is the case with Devante and his fucking hugs. They are cries for fucking help. It's a very sad video when you think about it. I was watching on YouTube and I almost got a little teary eyed watching it. And I was upset because I knew what happens. Didn't cry, though. I'm I'm boss ass bitch. (laughs) That's what makes you that. Yeah, I still had to seem tough, tough. I'm a tough boy. Jen later made a public statement regarding the event and described it as a moment of raw love. And she uploaded a card, like a picture of a card that supposedly Devante had made for Xavier. And like it is in a little kid's handwriting and everything like it it looks like Devante made it and everything. It does not sound like what a child probably would have picked to write, though. It almost seems like coached, if that makes sense. Yeah. Then and, you know, she uploaded that with the post being like Xavier changed Devante's life and here's what he had to say about it. So it was a very uh, perfectly strategically planned thing for Jen, I will say. Mm -hmm. A former friend that was at the festival said that that weekend and like the time at Beloved, she saw a different side of the Hart family. This anonymous woman later recalled how she had spent a day with Devante and Sierra, two of the children, children. Okay, that's a word. (laughs) Children. And while doing this, the Hart parents grew enraged with the group of the two children and this friend because they returned with food and this person had bought food for the two kids. And like, what is wrong with fucking food? (laughs) And Jen and Sarah were fucking livid. And the woman said that Sarah violently grabbed Sierra and ended up severely bruising her because she was so pissed. Because of food. Because of food. I don't understand. I don't get it. Like, if you were, like, super poor, maybe. But also, wouldn't you still just be happy at least the kids are eating so that you don't have to waste money feeding them? But, like, there's literally no reason. And it could have been different if she was mad at the woman being like, well, you only fed two of the kids. If you're going to six. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even if it was, like, ice cream or something. But she could have been like, you went and took two of the kids for ice cream and you could have just brought some back for everyone. Like, seriously, now I'm going to have to deal with it. Yeah. I see that. I don't see I'm fucking livid because my children sustained their bodies to survive another day. Yeah. Ridiculous. Food. Over the years, Jen created a carefully thought out social media presence that portrayed her family as a happy, healthy unit, a.k.a. a tribe that wouldn't be broken apart by the uncaring world filled with prejudice. Those are Jen's words, obviously not mine. Her social media posts were filled with photos and videos of the family on cross-country adventures and various festivals they attended. Now She had to keep up that facade. Well, yes, and the kids aren't in school anymore, so that's easy because they're homeschooled. And because she only works, the one works part time at fucking Kohl's or whatever at this point. And the other one, they get money from the state. So they're not feeding their kids. They're not having to pay their shit. 
So they're using their money that's supposed to go towards the children from the state to go to music festivals. I'm sure the kids are like, this is fun, but I would rather have dinner. Please. Please. Like, I'm not asking for a lot. Feed me. (laughs) Right. But like in Minnesota, a lot of people saw through the facade. (laughs) Fuck. Facade. Well, I was like, don't say facade. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so I said facade. Yeah. The facade. And uh, they alerted the authorities because they saw that things were going wrong. There was an allegation of child abuse from 2013 that touched upon Jennifer's use of Facebook, saying that the kids pose are made to look like one big happy family. But after the photo, they always go back to looking lifeless. That's really sad. And some people did say in some of the photos, they look like they have empty eyes because of like that. Yeah. In 2013, the two family friends stated that the children were forced to raise their hands before speaking in their home. They were not allowed to wish each other happy birthday. And they were not allowed to lift, l- laugh at the dinner table. Like, no laughing. These sound like really a series of unfortunate events no, and, type yes. things. No, I was literally about to say that. Loney Snicket was 100%. Because like, what are these rules? Like, you have to raise your own hand before speaking at home. Like, I remember doing that as a joke to be a dick, like when my siblings were like hogging the conversation so that my mom would know I was irritated. Yes. But like, it was not a requirement or like, you can't even just say like, happy birthday to one another. And you don't have the time to be away from your family because you don't have school anymore. You are constantly home with these two bitches. Yeah. No. That's just... Children laugh and they play and they do stuff. And if you don't like children laughing, then don't have children. Don't have children. It's simple as that. You chose. It's not even like, oh, fuck. This is we what had you children. Because like, OK, I could see it if they were a heterosexual couple that had a child and then they were like, fuck, we really don't want a child. But also we don't believe in adoption. So there's like slight circumstances. I don't like uh, agree with that. Mm-hmm. But you guys went out of your way to visit these children in opposite states and adopt them and then do it a second time and then technically do it like a third time because you did it with Lee and then you did it with them and then you did it with them. And now there's fucking a thousand of children living in your home. Right. Why wouldn't you also when they were adopting, see how three kids work out, wait five years and then get a few more. Why don't you see how one kid works out? You can't even fucking handle Lee. Don't get six. I'm just I'm getting fired up right now can you tell yeah but like (laughs) i just don't get it i I don't don't understand at all there's no rhyme or reason how this worked out like it it really sounds like a good idea like i love children uh but i hate their laugh (laughs) i love children i don't want to feed them i don't yeah feeding them doesn't sound great let's try getting a dog first and see if you can even take care of that i don't even know if they would have been able to get a goldfish like i feel like kids don't need to eat so we're just we're just you mean gonna I'm spend not allowed to abuse them on the bathtubs. Yeah, no, you're just we're just going to go to a lot of festivals <laughs> like the, uh, <laughs> at this point, you know what they should have done? They should have just been in an open relationship and had like a thruple. And then that person could be their social media presence. They would have been progressive as being a lesbian. Super open progressive couple. there. Yeah. Like, guys, I have your solution. And that person can feed themselves and take care of themselves because they're an adult. Children can't do that. Right. Oh, I'm so fired up. (laughs) I'm so fired up right now. I'm so angry. I mean, just go to Little Caesars and get like pizza. Five dollars. 
fucking go to Dollar General and buy them like a two bags of chips. They'll even be stoked to have that at this point. Oh, yeah. Fucking like, I guess Christ. pizza would be a luxury item. Like, the, ugh. I gotta calm down because I gotta get through the rest of this outline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're only it. at 2013. Nope, you got it. There were other reports that the children were poorly fed and looked small for their ages. Yes, that's what malnutrition does. Thank you. Next yep. question. <laughs> One family friend. So they they have family friends. Also, they keep making these friends. How are their family friends not just like blowing the whole lid? I would fucking take a tape recorder inside that home oh, and I yeah. would just. No, you're not getting shit past me. Oh, my God. The first time I'm going to see any of my friends do any shady shit with their children. I'm sorry. I am blowing the shit on you in one second. What's that detective? The kid detective? She has books. I can't. I can see the book cover. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, I would go there, that person, not ass, not them. I'm a whistleblower. Yeah. If you cheat on your partner, I'm a tell. If you beat yep. your kids, I'm a tell. If you are shady as fuck, I'm a tell. I'm a whistleblower and I'm proud. Same. <laughs> People deserve I have to respect. figure out this children's well, d- detective book, detective. Like, what's her nuts became the girl from um, um, Stranger Things. Eleven became the girl that is the mysteries. Emma Holmes. Nancy Drew. I'd go Nancy Drew on their ass. Okay, let me rephrase this entire conversation. (laughs) You said, what is that girl? detective child detective that is a child detective so in my mind you are saying a detective that is an adult that solves issues with children no and you are saying a small creature that is not fully of age that is a detective yes also that is not millie bobby brown that is emma roberts the girl from american horror story that beat evan peters Mm -mm. that's in scream Mm -mm. That's Julia Roberts's niece. Oh, sorry. She's a Nola Holmes. I said that. <laughs> I said word for word because you said it's Millie Bobby Brown. I said, is it a Nola Holmes as a joke? Because I knew it was a Nola Holmes. Oh. No, it was Nancy Drew. <laughs> okay. See, if you would have said it was Emma Roberts, I would have known because I'd have been like, it's weird. It sounds like you're talking about Nancy Drew. And you would have been like, I am. And I've been like, oh, I misinterpreted when you said a child detective. Do you know who I am? Because I thought you were talking because we're talking about children issues. So I thought you were talking about an issue with a child, not I a child just been detective. Like, it should have just been like, I would have gone murder. She wrote on their ass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would have solved this whole scenario right now. Nope. It's true. Let's move on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> We're whistleblowers. We are Nancy Drewers. We are. We are whistleblowers. Although, I'm not really a Nancy Drew. I'm more of like a good version of Harriet the Spy. Oh, I'm Nancy Drew. I'm just Harriet Spy because she's cool. She is really cool. She's so cool. No, I'm Kim Possible then. Oh, wait. Can I be Kim Possible too? No. Can I be Chico? Yes. Oh, okay. I'll be a baddie. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't even know. (laughs) We're so lost tonight. Okay. 
So it's when, the family friends that aren't reporting enough. I, I, Report I, more. I knew where I was at. I had it. I'm sorry. Oh my God. We have talked about how there's been every family friend so far that Jennifer and Sarah come in contact with have been pretty much blowing the whistle, but nothing is happening, right? Well, as Kylie said, why not order a pizza? So a family friend reported that Jennifer ordered a pizza for the children. That was their luxury. And each child was allowed to have a small sliver of a slice. Hmm. And then when Jennifer discovered the pizza was gone, she punished the children by not feeding them breakfast and forcing them to lie on their bed for five hours. Because they ate the whole pizza? Yeah. That they got for them? Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. Probably because Jennifer and Sarah were supposed to have more than half of it. Right. Um, Friends also stated that the children acted scared of death to Jen and were like trained like robots because of how Sarah and Jen treated them. And you notice a lot of this is Jen. So sometimes I do wonder when I hear this story, if Sarah was kind of along for the ride. I do want to know more. I wish I could know more about Sarah. If she just loved Jen so much, she was brainwashed. If truly, maybe she had a slight Stockholm syndrome at this point and or maybe she was helping. Maybe she was doing it and she just needed to be the face because she had the job in a sense. And or I just I want to know more about this relationship. I feel like I need to know more about Sarah But it's hard because it's all about Jen, because Jen was the one that the children talked about. The interviews of the children themselves always revealed no new incidents of abuse, and they didn't mention anything that happened in Minnesota. So there wasn't a paper trail. When Jennifer herself was interviewed, she claimed that she had a she had family problems that were results of others not being tolerant to two lesbian mothers with six African-American children, as she said. Again, she chose that life, though. She wants that progressive lifestyle. So you can't also hate that some people would be on the fence about your progressive lifestyle. That would be like, okay, fucked up example, but it's the best I got off the top of my head. That'd be like Jim Jones being like, it's the 1950s. I'm a white person that adopted black children. And now people are mad that my children are black. What? Well. Yes, you are pushing the boundaries. When the boundaries are pushed, there are going to be people that push against you. That's the point of you wanted this. Pushing so. against, yeah, you, you you wanted that fame, when that you, clout. When you push, someone's going to push back. That's a whole word push. It, it's a it's a push. There's something blocking you that you're pushing. It's not called a flop over. <laughs> uh, <I> it's <laughs> not floppy. <laughs> it's not floppy. In the end, the investigation couldn't conclude if the hearts were guilty of anything or if there was any safety threats. So, again, there was a bunch of people hate, saying things, but nothing happened. I hate the slippery, the slippery slope that you have when you're interviewing children, because. Literally, if they had spoken anything, they would never see those those people again. Mm-hmm. But because they didn't like you can't say that because it's like coercing them into saying things. Coercing them? coercing okay yeah yeah so it's like you 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 can't like you have to be just like a bystander well, and you know that probably a reason a lot of these people are anonymous is because they didn't want jennifer and sarah to know that it was them leaking this information stuff because they've probably heard or seen that if you go against jen and sarah you get cut off entirely and they didn't want to do that because they still wanted the relationship with the kids they wanted yeah yeah to help them yeah sorry went through that one kind of fast a little bit 
It's fine. <laughs> the family hit national spotlight again in December 2014. The photograph of 12-year-old Devante Hart was taken at the Black Lives Matter protest in Portland. This is the one I was talking about. A lot of you have probably seen it and not even realized you've seen it. Because this also wasn't that long ago. It was only 2014. So in this photo, Devante has tears running down his face. And he's wearing one of his free hugs poster signs. And he's embracing a white police officer. Now keep in mind, Devante is not white. That is the point of this. It was a protest to keep the peace because this was taken the day after the grand jury decided not to charge Ferguson police officer Darren Wilson after shooting to death an 18-year-old black person named Michael Brown. It was a controversial decision and it had emotions riding high. There was a bunch of Black Lives Matter protests and events happening and Devante, being of that origin, was celebrating. But also because his family made him because they wanted that fucking the clout. Yes. They wanted the clout. They wanted that. They were doing this. They saw an opportunity and they took it. So Devante is hugging this police officer, fucking bawling his eyes out. And it's so powerful. And the image became known as the hug felt around the world. It is so sad looking because you can see the fear in his eyes being like, I don't trust you because of what you just did to like a fellow community member that you clearly didn't care about. But please fucking Christ, save me. You didn't care about that person. Can you please care about me? Like, that's what I feel like his eyes are screaming in that photo. It's very sad. The photo was shared countless times. People across the country used it as an example of unity, though. It sparked national debate on police violence. Also, the fact that he's a kid probably helps. Right. A lot. Overnight, a television show, like all of them, like news shows and everything, wanted to have Devante as a guest. But Jen refused and argued that she wanted to protect her son's privacy. Right. Meanwhile, she's posting 24-7. Right. So Jen was always super conscious about her family's social media presence. And around this time, she decided to take a hiatus from online forums for six months to protect her family. Hmm. In the spring of which kind of makes me wonder also, I wonder if the kids were just stuck with them for six months or if they still did all these events like going to games and raves or whatever they're not called and they just didn't like post yeah or were they just fucking stuck at home with these bitches for six months because that would have been hell right well it it probably was but it probably was because why would they they probably didn't want to like go out yeah because there's no point well that and because what good's it doing them the only reason they have the kids is for the internet and if they're not using the internet they don't need to do anything with the kids the kids don't need to exist for the next six months six months of saving money to not feed. Great. Did you know that that's like not how it works? Wait, what? Like, yeah, <laughs> like parenting, you know, like you actually like have to take care of children. What? 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 No. In the spring of 2017, Jen decided to break her hiatus. She came back to social media. She told her followers, this year slammed us hard. Period. Period. <laughs> period. 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 You sound like the period girl from TikTok. Period. Ah, period. Uh, period. Ah, period. Uh. I think you watch way too much TikTok. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> the Hart family had relocated again to the rural area of Woodland, Washington. Rural. To the no, rural we're not going to go there. Rural area. That's my favorite word. Rural. Rural. I'm getting better at it. I've been practicing. Okay. I started a very big debate on TikTok about the word rural once. So there's that. 
In August 2017, Hannah jumped out of her second story bedroom window at 1.30 a.m. Obviously, shit is not good if children are doing that. Right. Second story. Second story at 1.30 a.m. She approached the residence of her next door neighbors, the DeKalbs, which I want to say they were like just a little walk away. Like they weren't super close, but they weren't far. Keep that in mind. So that's the DeKalbs and it's Dana and Bruce DeKalb. She ran over to them and she was begging for help. And according to the incident report from the Clark County Sheriff's Office, that's like what she said to them. She was like begging. They said, um, Bruce, the the dad guy, said this is what she came up to the door and said to us. He told the police this. She wanted us to take her to Seattle because they weren't treating her right. She said, don't make me go back. They're racist and they abuse us. So that's interesting, right? Because their whole online presences were not racist, clearly. And now, like, the child is like, no, no. Definitely racist. She appeared to be missing her two front teeth. And the DeKalbs say they thought Hannah was only seven years old, but she was in her teens at this point. That's how small she was. Wow. Hannah was covered in dirt, weeds, bruises, and looked like a fucking hot mess. But keep in mind, she did come flying out of a second story window. So that's probably from that incident, mostly. Right. She was telling them how she jumped from her window to the roof and then back to the ground. She was begging to not go back and she was begging for help. Around this time, Bruce had seen the Hart family were all outside with flashlights searching for Hannah, and he went out there and said that he knew where she was. Which, that gives me the vibes of, like, cheaper by the dozen when the when the kid goes missing, and, like, they send out the whole fucking... The all the whole children, family. But that's, like, a town worth of humans. Right? It's 12. Twi- twi- it. Well, it would be... A, well, okay, wait. 12 children but one's missing so that's 11 but two parents so now it's 13 yeah and then remember the neighbors go and help the mom and the son and the dog so now it's 15 yeah Yeah. and the dog yes so 15 and a dog it's a good movie such a good movie steve martin on my celebrity (laughs) hug list (laughs) so he did i love him little stevie so jen then wanted to go over to the house obviously because you know bruce was like hey we found Hannah and Hannah's like, no, don't tell her that, please. So when Hannah heard her family coming to get her, she ran to hide in another room. She was so scared of her family coming to get her. The hearts ended up finding Hannah and she was terrified looking and she was hiding from her family, but like crunched up between a a bed and a dresser. And then her parents came in, told her to come home. Jen told Hannah she had to apologize to the DeKalbs and follow her home. The next day. I'm so upset with that. Yeah. Like, so upset. Mm -hmm. Yep. What? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, no, it gets worse. Just just wait it out. Mm -hmm. The following day, Dana found a handwritten note on the door that says, Dear Dana and Bruce, I was frustrated with my brother and I didn't handle things very maturely. I'm sorry for telling lies to get attention. Thank you for being kind, Hannah. Now, I didn't have you put a pin in it, but remember we talked earlier about the note from Devante yes. to Xavier. And I said, I feel like he's coached in what to write. That seems, again, like something. Very coached. I would not ever say I was frustrated with my brother and I didn't handle things maturely. I would say my brother was being stupid and I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I would not, even as a teen, because I would have been in a fit of rage. Yeah. And I would have been embarrassed that my parents had to come get me. So, 
Well, and it, yeah, it's super embarrassing to be like. And the fact that it's just a handwritten note left at your door. The kid did not come apologize. The handwritten note left on your door when you weren't ready. Yeah, because if I to- was the parent and something like weird like that happened, obviously I wouldn't be abusing my children. But if they went over to the neighbor's house and it was like an embarrassing thing, mm-hmm. I've been like, you're going over there and you're personally apologizing and I will walk you over there. Yeah. Well, and wouldn't they be like, if Hannah came and left this note, we probably would have seen or heard her leave this note. So what did her, she write it and her parents like walk it over in the middle of the night when we didn't notice it? Like before yeah, we even really, woke up. It's really random. Because some people say that this note was there and that they saw it at like 6 a.m. the next morning. And I don't know if that's true or not. But if so, that definitely is one of the parents leaving it. It is not a child waking up at 5.45 a.m. to fucking leave a note on Unless door. they made her because they're insane. Jen then attempted to explain the incident because she went over there and she claimed that Hannah was lying and that children occasionally act out because they're drug babies. There it is. Yep. There's there's the thing. She also said Hannah's biological mother is bipolar. So that's why she's lashing out. You know, maybe she has some of it in her because that's how it works. Right. When Dana DeKalb asked to speak to Hannah alone, Jen replied, we do everything as a family. No, you had your chance, Dana. You had your chance. (laughs) You and Bruce fucked it up. You done fucked up. They did question the whole missing teeth thing. And Jen blamed the missing teeth on Hannah falling down. And she knocked out her two front teeth. Again, she's a teen. Like, I want to know were those her If your teeth fall out that easily, then you are very malnourished. And were those her permanent teeth? Was she really, was like, there are cases, I know there really are, where people don't get their front, their, their teeth until later in life. Yeah. I mean, my best friend has that. She had her baby teeth till she was older. I think like 18 or something. It happens. There are well, reasons. It also happens when you're not healthy. And I was going to say, but the main reason is malnutrition. Hers happened to be like a gum issue or something. Yeah. But it, it does happen. But most times, yes, it is due to malnutrition. It's a vicious cycle. <sighs> then Dana DeKalb told her father about the bizarre encounter she had with Jen And he reported Jen and Sarah to the authorities. Well, at least thank you to him since fucking Bruce and Dana suck. And it was just like. Why didn't you? It was like second hand. Yeah. Like you weren't even there to witness it. And and you felt the need need. to report it. Like, come on. Well, due to this, no follow up actions were taken. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Duh. Several months later, in March of 2018, Devante Hart approached Bruce DeKalb while he was working on his truck in the front of his house. Now, he's 15 years old at this point. And Devante asked the DeKalb dude, Bruce, if he could have something to eat and asked him in a really nervous tone, like, please don't tell my parents I asked you that. Bruce gave Devante some food. And then a few more times he came over and he did the same thing. So then Devante gave his neighbors, so the DeKalbs, a wish list of food and asked if Bruce would be willing to leave these items in a box by the fence, like at nighttime where his parents can't notice. Devante told him that the adopted mothers would withhold food as punishment and that the children were often abused. And then Bruce was like, I mean, I could leave some stuff. And he's like, it has to be non-perishable food. Like it has to be stuff that we can like hide. Why is he not 
reporting any of that. That is the scariest sounding like scenario. At that point, I would 100 percent. I would have walked over there, grabbed all of the children and just there's. Yeah. So this combined with the earlier incident with Hannah made the DeKalb's report to the hearts to, to the police about the hearts. So they went to the Washington State Department of Social and Health Services called Dishes, <laughs> uh, DSHS. And the caseworkers from DSHS tried to reach the hearts twice. So on March 23rd, 2018, Dana called the Child Protective Services, who sent a caseworker to the heart split level home. And she she went there. She worked for DSHS and Child Protective Services. No one answered the door. So she left a business card in the door. This is three days before the murder. Keep in mind. Okay. To give, give you like a timeline. The following day, Saturday, March 24th, the DeKalb's noticed that the GMC Yukon that's usually parked next door in the driveway was gone. Okay. Sarah had texted her coworker at 3 a.m. and told them she was too sick to come to work. So she just didn't. The family must have left in a super big rush because not only was the Yukon gone, but they actually hit and knocked over a lot of the cinder blocks that lined both sides of their driveway. So like they rushed out. Then the last sighting of any of the members of the Hart family alive was at a Safeway grocery store in Fort Bragg, California on the morning of Sunday, March 25th. A surveillance camera captured Jen Hart paying for $20 worth of groceries. For who? Because mm-hmm. you're not feeding your kid. $20 is more than you and uh, Sarah need. Yes. One of Sarah's co- co-workers who she texted about not coming into work, you know, they called for a wellness check on the family because she said it seemed like when she like she later went to check on Sarah again. And when she called, it seemed like Sarah's phone was dead because it went straight to voicemail. And she was really worried because the call seemed like slightly frantic or just like weird because it was in the middle of night and stuff. So she called a few of the hospitals to see if Sarah maybe went into the hospital because maybe she really was that sick. The dispatcher asked the woman if Sarah was suicidal and she said Sarah definitely wasn't like that's not her style. And, you know, what's even scarier is this is only a year before COVID. Imagine with COVID, people would have just assumed she had COVID probably. Yeah. And they probably wouldn't have even suspected things as early, which is scarier. Okay. Well, they wouldn't have. Well. They still did wellness checks, but like it was the harder. Yeah. But they luckily, well, that's not a luckily. I was going to say they find the Yukon. So that's what helps. But they find the Yukon with dead bodies. So that doesn't help. Yeah. You see what I'm saying here? So then on also March 26th, uh, another worker from Child Protective Services stopped by the house. She knocked on the door twice and she didn't receive a response again. So the CPS worker told dispatch that she had been by the house Friday as well and that she just can't get a hold of them. She tried to check in on the family after receiving reports that the children weren't being fed. The CPS worker said both times she was unable to see or meet any of the family. So that's that. (sighs) Then on March 26th, Monday, a gold Yukon SUV was spotted belly up on the rocks at the bottom of a cliff. It was about a 25-minute drive from the Safeway store where they were last seen. Slowly, investigators started releasing details of a car crash. A passerby saw the vehicle and called the authorities at the time. And that was the first time anyone had heard about it. The vehicle was upside down at the bottom of a cliff. So what we 
No. On March 26th, Jen pulled off of Highway 1 in Mendocino, California. Oh, Mendocino County, California. I'm sorry. Onto a gravel turnout and stopped the family's Yukon XL SUV. The vehicle was about 70 to 100 feet away from the cliffs. Jen then accelerated the car to roughly 90 miles an hour and without touching the brakes at all, drove it directly off the cliff. Sarah was in the passenger seat and all the children were in the car. The bodies of five children, Hannah, Marcus, Jeremiah, Abigail, and Sierra, were found in or near the vehicle, which had landed upside down on the beach below the cliffs. Sierra was 12, Abigail was 14, Jeremiah was 14, Devante was 15, Hannah was 16, and Marcus was 19 at this time, to give you some age perspectives. Now, only five of the bodies were found. The crash occurred on Monday, just after 3 a.m. A revving car engine and tires were crunching on the gravel, and it was heard by a camper nearby. Investigators looked into the crash and noted that there were zero brake marks atop of the cliff, causing authorities to have some suspicions that Jennifer and Sarah's final moments were on purpose. It wasn't like an accident. They swerved or something, right? Because there's no braking or anything. So they initially called it a very confusing scene. The Mendocino County Sheriff, Tom Allman, later stated this was more than a crime. It was an all-out conspiracy to kill the six kids. Jennifer, Sarah, and three of their children, Marcus, Jeremiah, and Abigail, were found in the car, uh, the authorities stated. Sierra's remains were found a little bit later. And then all that found, all they could find of Hannah was the skeletal remains of her foot in a shoe. And that actually washed up on a California beach a few days after that, even. Devante's remains have still never been recovered, even in 2022. But he's legally been declared dead at this point. A superior court judge ruled that Devante was in the vehicle at, at the time of the crash. So a death certificate was signed on April 3rd that year. And they also noted that no one in the car was wearing a seatbelt at the time of the crash. On April 1st, the California Highway Patrol's Northern Division stated that the event was an intentional act and they started looking into this being a deliberate act done by Sarah and Jen. Expert analysis of the, U of the SUV's internal airbag deploying computer determined that the Yukon had been intentionally driven off the edge of the cliff from a standing stop, accelerating to 20 miles per hour in three seconds with the throttle at 100% to then giving full force. A 14-member coroner jury unanimously ruled the case a murder-suicide. Later, toxicology reports showed that Jennifer's blood alcohol content was well over the legal limit at the time of the crash, and that both Sarah and two of the children had diphenhydramine in their systems, which is Benadryl, so they were potentially unconscious or asleep. And they had been given multiple doses of Benadryl while in the car as it must have craned off the cliff. So they also had like more than a normal dose was part of it, they said. Some interesting things. Sarah had made some Google searches before the crash, inquiring about the, lethal the lethality, <laughs> the lethality, um, the lethalness, aka, of Benadryl. She also Googled what's the nature of how long drowning takes, like death by drowning. She also Googled how long hypothermia takes to set in. 
Some of her other searches were no kill shelters for dogs, but the family's two dogs were actually found inside the Hart's family home by like that CPS worker later. The, Mend- the Mendocino County Sheriff's Department officially closed the case and released the declassified records in 2019, and everyone was declared dead. So after that paragraph where you were like, Sarah had made Google searches, I was like, Jen did it, and Sarah was slightly less. See, you it's know, such a slippery slope because she had Sarah too. Yes. But Jen and Sarah were together for so long. I wonder if she truly did have some sort of Stockholm. Stockholm. Yeah. Like at this point, she loved her so much. And maybe that is why she took the fall that one time also. Yes. And I'm wondering if she was just like, I have to stay because what if Jen gets the custody or something? Because Jen with the money could have maybe taken care of the kids Sarah, they would have said, well, you work for a living. Right. You can't you can't take care of the kids. Right. So I'm wondering if that was part of it is she's like, if I leave, they have nothing or they go back to foster care. And maybe she genuinely thought, like, at least we're better than them going back to foster care because also they'll be separated and they already were separated. And there's it's just hard on them, you know. And so I'm wondering if Sarah thought she was doing she's right. like justifying. Yes. The things that she was and, doing. But at the same time. She was a participant at, at some level. Yes. So that's very. Yeah, I'm difficult. not saying that she's like not guilty at all, but. But wow, that's heavy. It's a heavy burden to bear if your partner is doing something like that and you don't know if you're going to be able to get the kids and get out and everything. But at the same time, if she. I I also wonder those $20 worth of groceries. I need to know what it is. I want to know if she bought the Benadryl then yes. and there. Like, was that that? I mean, I feel like this whole thing was cash, right? I don't remember. I don't remember. But I mean, the security camera, like you can clearly see her. I mean, it's shitty quality, but you can tell it's her. It's not clear as day, but it's clear as day. It's her. And it's you could probably figure out what she bought. Um, It's I I don't know. It's it's hard enough. You can't see that well. Um, But another thing, like it's obviously premeditated, like it it is because the Google searches and everything else. But at the same time, I want to know how much premeditation there was, like because they were gone for over 24 hours. Well, and if she she meaning Sarah, if she really loved Jen and Jen was like, you need to look all these things up because I'm driving. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it was her family home computer. It was the family computer. Oh, I'm pretty sure. Maybe it wasn't. You just I guess, said Google searches before the crash. Yeah, so not, for some reason in my head, that meant the family computer. But you're right. It could have been the phone. Yeah. And I'm. I would think it was the phone. I want to know yeah. also, was it like a willing everyone took the Benadryl or no? Because also it's kind of interesting that only some of the kids had the Benadryl. Was it because those were the only kids that drank the drink that she made them? Right. Maybe, you know, I bought everyone a water here so that you don't complain on the car ride. Well, only two of the kids drank the water. So only two of the kids are drugged. Because maybe they didn't know and maybe she assumed that they would all drink it and they would all be drugged and then only some did. But what if Jen also drugged Sarah? That's what I'm saying. Like she made all the drinks drugged and then she gave them out. And then meanwhile, she's fucking kicking back alcohol while driving. Because that's smart. (laughs) On top of everything else. That's fucking wild. Well, do you have anything else to add to this one? No, I don't. 
I don't think so. I'm trying to look for silver lining. I guess Lee is the silver lining. Yeah. And you can see pictures and videos of Lee nowadays. And Lee reconnected like, uh, okay, I'll give you a little like background. Um, So Lee did reconnect with her birth parents, maybe parents. I'm not sure, but at least her mom later in life. And she did some interviews and stuff like that. So you can see some about Lee's like now adulthood and life and stuff, which is kind of nice. Um, but again, it's weird because she's also like, they, they ask her questions, you know, like, how does it feel knowing you're the one that survived? Like, do you think this would have been your fate if you would have stayed there? Also, like, how do you feel? Did you ever think that that was what it would come down to and stuff? And it's just really sad to watch. And I mean, I didn't watch. Well, and she would have been older, like way older, like past 18. At this point, yeah. But also one of the kids was older. 19, they yeah. could have. Yeah. Okay. A 12-year-old has to live at home. A 14-year-old, yeah. 14-year-old, yeah. 15 and 16. They could have had jobs and been yeah. helping the family and get money. And then Sarah and Jen couldn't have been as stressed. And then they could have gotten a job at a food place and gotten food. I mean, if the Sarah and Jen would have allowed them. And then they still could have had their spending habits. Marcus at 19, especially if they're homeschooled because their availability is much higher. Marcus could have literally moved out and stuff. I'm sure he didn't want to, but they could have allowed him to didn't want to leave out. The- other children yeah at all especially with knowing what they're going through but also he they could have allowed him to move on and move on with his life and so it's it's tragic yeah it really is there's no other way there's nothing good about this one no like at least in diane downs some of the children live i mean they have shitty lives but they're living in this one there's nothing we don't even have all the bodies we don't even have all the body parts for the bodies we do have yeah that's sad. Super sad. So, okay. Uh, for sources, I read two books When Evil Came to Good, Heart by Marty Lincoln, Link, and then We Were Once a Family by Roxana Asgardian. Asgardian? It's not Asgard. Uh, well, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> is it Oscardian? Oscarian? Okay. And then the documentary Broken Hearts on Discovery Plus. Uh, you can find it other places if you illegally look. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do that. <laughs> um so tonight's episode was kind of heavy. Yeah, a little bit. A little, little heavy. We have a super fucking fun one next week, though. I don't know if we want to call it fun, but it's something. It's interesting. It'll be fun to me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's definitely then, a a poke fun type of episode. Yeah. And then the week after that, we have a super fun one. I'm really excited for that one. And then I think we have a depressing murder. I'm excited for that one. I'm excited for that one. That, I, that one might come with gifts. I posted the December lineup, so it's technically no surprise what it is, any of them. But someone asked if they could see some December lineups. And so because, you know, people are planning around the holidays, they also want to know what they can and can't listen to in front of their families. They could maybe give a quick Google search in front and be like, oh, the Hart family is not one I should listen to in the car with my kids. You could you could listen to some of the things uh, that we post for the rest of December. But um we are technically classified as explicit because we Cuss. curse. <laughs> <laughs> we like we like cursing. Sailors. <laughs> we could we could live on a boat. So sorry, sailor. not sorry. We're not kid friendly, but you know. Yeah. 
Teach them what the fuck word means. I mean, the F words. <laughs> I was going to say teach them the F word means fuck. But then I said fuck. And then I fucked the whole fucking sentence up. So. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you, everyone that helps make this podcast what it is. You guys are awesome. Kylie and I couldn't do this alone. Thank you guys. And a big thanks to Corey at core.media.photography on Instagram for doing our editing each week. Don't forget to follow the Instagram, which is at cryptic Supod, where DMs are always open for suggestions. So slide on in. Also, you can join the Facebook group. Uh, currently, it's cryptic Supod. It will probably not be that completely specifically. We're not sure. Um, but Follow it to get further updates on anything we have happening. All of our links can easily be found at crypticsouppod.com as well. Apple Podcast Reviews and Ratings or Spotify Ratings always help get our name out there. And you can also leave um, requests in the request form at crypticsouppod.com. So there's a lot of ways to get a hold of us. And then we can chit chat with you and tell you more things. So remember to subscribe, follow, tune in, keep up with us. And remember to join the conversation where we'll see you next Tuesday for the next episode. Stay tuned. Goodbye. Bye, bitch. Well, that's, I mean, you're easy to annoy her. She, she goes with the flows. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it was so long. <laughs> ah, she is one of a kind. Core. <laughs> He always calls Saber a whore. I know, he's so mean to her. <laughs> Why does she sound like a baby dying Chewbacca every time she howls? <laughs> it's like a mixture of Chewbacca fucking a starting up Hummer. <laughs> Why do we have a true crime podcast? We can just talk. We can be a podcast. I feel like... <laughs> I feel like there would be a, a need of a lot more alcohol. <laughs>